Hello, and welcome to episode 107 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. To start us off today, a warm welcome to Alan B., Kate S., and Satian P. And I apologize if I pronounced your name wrong. I do really want to say welcome, and I look forward to engaging with all of you in the Slack community, and I hope you're finding all of the member bonuses really useful. Now, if you're listening and you haven't yet explored the membership options, head over to themodernmanager.co slash join to learn more. Now, today's guest is Sue Salvamini. Sue is the founder and president of Focal Point Consulting Group and an executive and leadership coach. She brings over 20 years of real-world experience from leading as an officer in the Army to leading in corporate America in sales and marketing in the fast-paced medical device technology world. Sue and I talk about leading yourself and others aligning your leadership style with your core values, and how to talk with your team members in an authentic way to get them to give you honest feedback. Now, before we get into that conversation, I need to give a fair warning. Sue and I recorded this conversation during the first week of March, before the coronavirus pandemic hit the U.S. in a serious way. At one point, Sue references an activity that involves imagining a funeral, and I recognize that that may be a sensitive subject or a triggering topic for some listeners right now. That being said, when I re-listen to the conversation, the revelation and clarity that comes from this particular activity that she's describing is so important, especially right now when we're all trying to navigate and figure out how we want to show up in this moment. So I've decided not to edit it out. But if that feels like a little too much for you right now, then I suggest that you maybe skip this episode and come back to it in a few weeks or months when that concept doesn't feel so tender. Instead, maybe check out a previous episode that you skipped or scroll way back and find an earlier episode that you haven't heard because there's a lot of oldies but goodies. Okay, so that is my disclaimer. If you're still here, I'm excited to share with you. Here is my conversation with Sue. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sue. I am really excited to have this conversation, mostly because we just spent like 15 minutes chatting and you have some amazing stories in your life. And I'm excited for my listeners to hear from you and hear some of the learnings that you've had along your journey. Thanks, Mamie. I'm, I'm equally excited. So let's start with, you know, a super fun, big, crazy question, which is, what is leadership? So the million dollar question, and I would say for everyone you ask, you would probably get a different answer. For me, I define leadership as your ability to impact and influence those around you, starting with yourself. So that was a very short and succinct answer, which I really appreciate. But I'm wondering, how is that different from other definitions of leadership or kind of why did you choose this particular definition? Well, I think often when we think of leadership, myself included, it falls into the, okay, the ability to pull a group together to reach and achieve a common goal or vision. And so it sort of has this, if you close your eyes and you give a visual, it's a person in front of a team. And they're rallying the team. It could be an athletic team. It could be a corporate team, a business team. And you're trying to get everyone in sync to directionally go towards a common goal. And the reason that my definition of leadership has changed is because I think that that definition limits the perception that even if you're part of that team, you're a leader. 
And based on my own experiences and the work I've done with teams and groups, it's so apparent to me that every person in that diagram that we have, whether it's the person formally in front or the six to 12 people on that group, every single person is a leader. They all impact each other and therefore I feel they're a leader because they have the ability to change the direction of this group. So I define leader much more simply, I think, in that it's your ability to impact and influence those around you, which is actually contradictory to many definitions of leader because often we'll hear that, you know, leaders are made, they're not born. And, 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 and there's just such a focus on how do you become a leader? And I go the opposite way. I say, we're all leaders because we all have an impact on people around us. So the real question isn't whether we're a leader. The question is, how do we want to choose to lead? Or how do we want to choose to impact and influence those around us? I love the way that you're describing this. And I'm working with the team right now, and we were talking about the importance of leadership behaviors, that if you distinguish between the official role or title of leader and the behaviors that leaders display, it's totally true. Everyone can display leadership behaviors. Any, everyone can act in those ways. But if you're not intentional about it, you may be kind of, I guess, displaying leadership behaviors, but they're actually not doing what you want them to do, right? You may influence other people, but it's not necessarily the way that you want them to be influenced. It's just kind of the way things unfold as opposed to being really intentional and recognizing the power and the authority or the influence that you have. Absolutely. And I think what happens is because we have this very generic definition, accepted definition in our head that if we're not the manager or we're not the senior ranking, I was in the military, so sometimes I use these, this terminology, if we're not the senior ranking officer or the senior title, that we sort of have a pass, that we're not leading at that moment. And that's the miss. First, as an individual, I think it's critical that you recognize that you are always in a position of impacting. Second, as a leader that has a formal title, it's important that you recognize that regardless of whether it's the people that report directly to you or you as a part of a team that reports to another higher level, there's always an opportunity to influence and to not miss those opportunities and sit passively in the meeting or sit passively in the direction as a bystander. That what, how you do, what you say, how you act, how you show up is impacting the direction of that meeting, that event, that team, that company. So I want to shift gears a little bit because I think this will help to pull all these ideas together around leadership. But in terms of how you figure out how you want to show up, like what your approach or your style, do you, do you believe that there's one way or do you feel like there's many ways to, to show up effectively? I think there's many ways. I think there is no one way. And again, I think another loophole is we get caught up in thinking that we have to be like leader X or leader Y, and we lose who we are ourselves. I truly believe that the best way to be an impactful leader is to really be connected with who you are and what motivates you so that you can really bring your best self forward and be confident that that is potentially, you know, the effective way versus trying to make yourself someone else that you aspire to be versus being connected with who you are and then bringing out how that can be a, have a positive impact on those around you. 
So how do you start to figure out who you are? Yeah, so I know it sounds really ominous. So I think what's the first thing that I love is that we forget that we really are our own individual experts. We don't need, uh, you know, other people don't need to tell us who we are. We do know it. But the way I do it with my clients is I start with core values. And I know there is a lot of talk about core values. And what's interesting is I find that when I do the work with my clients on core values, I take them much deeper than what first comes out of their their mouth. If I say to someone, or in my book I do, the first chapter is on understanding your core values. And we start out with the things that are most important to us, how we would define our value structure. And I have a client recently that is going through a, a private coaching engagement with me, and we are going through the book as part of his, his choice for coaching. And just in the first chapter alone, as he explored his core values, as he identified the things that defined him, that he would have said defined him, achievement, development, integrity, honesty, just sort of these, these elements, he was very concerned that family didn't come out in his core values because he's a family man. And then fast forward as we went to deeper exploration. So some of the way I bring people forward is I go through a list of values and they circle what resonates for them. And then another way I do this is I have people fast forward to their funeral and reflect on what they want people to say or what they think people would say at their funeral. And what's interesting is when this client did the funeral approach, he found that what he hoped people would say about him none of the prior exercises of what was important to him came up. And so the big moment for him was, and I asked him, I said, so what is this telling you? And he he shared that I have aligned my life with things that I thought were important to me, but at the end of the day, they're not truly my core values. My core values were represented from the depth of discovery I had in this last exercise. And the, the real moment for him was he said, Everything about my life has changed as a result of doing this exercise. Wow. Because I recognize that my values, I have very easily, you know, said, oh, these are my values, which many of us do. But it wasn't until I took the time and just sort of had this communication with you to ask these questions and keep challenging my values and did the exercise that everything became so crystal clear. It was actually a very emotional conversation for him. And this is an incredibly successful entrepreneur that just had a very successful acquisition of a company. So theoretically, he's just achieved, quote, what he thought everything in his life was about. And he had this big aha moment as he went through the exercises and really got aligned with his values um, that they weren't anything he thought they'd been and that actually he'd aligned himself with for years. So where am I going with that? I think that core values, we can very quickly go through exercises or lists of what we think we value. And it's through a little bit of a deeper reflection that we can really uncover what's important. The greatness in that is when we get crystal clear on what truly is our values, everything about our perspective in how we're showing up at work, how we're leading ourselves, how we're influencing others, how we are being influenced by others changes. And the way it changes is we become crystal clear at a deep level of what's important to us. And the liberation and the, the, the freedom that we feel in our existence is profound, which allows us to just find immediate fulfillment and success. I don't always like to use that word because there's a lot of stuff that goes with that word, but with where we are. And it just helps our vision become that much clearer with what we're trying to do moving forward in our work, with our relationships, in our goals and aspirations. So 
I can imagine how that activity would be really illuminating. And I'm sitting here in my own head being like, don't get distracted by trying to like imagine your funeral right now because I really want to go and, and do that activity now. But I'm wondering when it comes to showing up as a manager, if there are certain core values that are kind of critical for the job, like critical to be effective, like is it possible that your set of core values would actually not serve you well in that kind of role? I passionately believe that you can find alignment, and this will probably not settle well with many people, but I believe you can truly find passion and alignment with your core values in just about any role you have. But one, one value that I find that consistently helps managers help their team align with their own values in the team is as a manager to have the ability to be genuinely curious about what makes their team and the individuals on their team tick. So in other words, really craving to understand what motivates and inspires each individual team member from a position of curiosity. So as a manager, so the reason I love this exercise for my, my clients and my teams is, first of all, when you get the process down as to how to uncover your own core values, the way that transfers to you as a manager is it allows you to, to lead others by providing space for them to be open about what's important to them. And then from a motivation perspective, when you understand what motivates your team members, you can then bring out the best in them. And I'll give you an example of this. So early in my, I was a part of a sales team. Early in my career, I had a, a manager that was really good at this. And what one would think in a sales role is that every sales representative is motivated by their commission check, right? If they hit their forecast or their quota, they will receive a great commission check. So the assumption often in sales is that salespeople are motivated by money. And if you stopped there, he would have missed the biggest motivator for me. So coming from the military, as a junior officer, my job in the military was to make my senior ranking officer successful. And that motivated me. So as a team, we had to accomplish the mission in the military that our company, that was a called a company as opposed to a battalion, was going after. So I was highly motivated to always be doing whatever I could to make my boss, for lack of any other term, show up and be successful. So fast forward into the corporate world, I have a manager and here we are at the end of the month. Now, if he called me and said, Sue, I need you to close XYZ because that's going to give you a, a, an incremental commission check because you'll be over your forecast by 12%. So that means your paycheck's going to be X thousands of dollars. If when he did that, that didn't motivate me. At all. I didn't have that gumption to go out in the last 24 hours of the quarter and make more sales. But when he called me and said, Sue, we as a team are missing our quota and you've got the relationships and I, I want us as a team to go over so that we as a team and I can reach my goals. Can you help me out? Can you pull a couple more sales out? Can you go to anyone that you think would throw in an order that they're going to do next month, this month? Mamie, I would get on that phone and I would make it happen every time because I knew if I could achieve this, I would help him as our division manager and us as a team win. So by him knowing what motivated me, I was much more productive. I had major passion and I accomplished it because what motivated me 
was producing for him and for the team. But if he focused on that it would help me earn a couple thousand more dollars that month, that didn't drive me to go push myself. So this is one of the things I love about managers who are thoughtful about how they approach each of their team members, right? That they they may have their own set of values and what's important to them. And you know, they might find that teamwork or competition or something else is what brings them alive, but they don't impose that on their team members, right? They actually, as you're saying, they're curious and they get to know their team members and they want to understand them and they want to set them up for success in whatever way that needs to happen by changing their own behavior. Yes. Yes. It's about, you know, I I grew up in sales and we're all in sales in some capacity. And the thing I love about sales is I never considered sales as selling something to someone. I just considered it as finding a solution to provide for the, the client. What do they need? What's missing? So when you think of a manager and a team member, it's really the same relationship. You need to understand what is it they need? What invigorates them? What inspires them? And one of the exercises that I do early in the book that I've written, which is I help people dig to the, like, how do you cut to the chase and find out what's important to people? And you can do this as, as a, a manager. You, you literally can ask your team members, you know, what, and usually it's the extremes, what frustrates you the most about working with me? I mean, that's a real between the eyes question, right? Mm-hmm. What do you like the most? You go to the extremes because it's in the extremes that we tend to be emotional beings. And it's in the emotion that we learn what values lie behind that. So whether you know anything about core values or the exercises that I even provide, if you can learn to genuinely ask for these extremes, tell me about a time that you were super frustrated. And maybe if you're a new manager coming into a new team, what's frustrated you the most about your job. And then the next question is, what about that is frustrating to you? And here's an example. We have too many meetings. What is it about that that's frustrating? Well, we repeat the same things every time in our meetings, or they never start on time, right? So you're starting to get more and more. We we tend to take the first answer as the answer. And I had a rule in sales, I would always ask my clients three questions before I would say anything. (laughs) And it taught me to listen. It actually taught me to be patient and listen and seek understanding. It's no different with people. What frustrates you the most? What is it about that that's so frustrating? You know, how would you design it differently? And as you're asking these questions, two things are happening as a manager. One, you're starting to learn what resonates for your team member. Two, you're demonstrating that you care and you're curious to really uncover and learn. And three, you're getting data so that now you have material so that you can try to respond by creating a communication structure or an environment that's going to be positive for this team member. And you're going to do that times five, six, seven, however many team members you have. And each person is an individual and that relationship you're creating with them is personal and slightly different. But you're learning the very core elements that you're going to need to help bring the best out in that person. And they're learning that you care deeply about that, which then nurtures a loyalty and a sense of, I can communicate with him or her because they care. And I can tell them stuff that's bugging the you-know-what out of me about their leadership style because they care to work with me so that we collectively can be productive. 
So I love the straightforwardness of this approach and, you know, just outright asking. And I'm imagining there's a lot of people listening who are like, I could ask that, but my team members are never actually going to answer it to my face. Like they're never going to really tell me the truth. Is there a way to actually get to the truth when, you know, there's a lot of maybe concern that, because a lot of people don't want to say things that are mean or hurtful or frustrating. They don't, they don't want to give that kind of critical feedback. Right. And I think, I think that it's natural to not want to, because there's a concern. There's two concerns. One, we don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. And two, it exposes us. So there's that constant perception that if we say something off the grid or non-PC, then we're going to be a target. So when you're asking the questions, there's two things that have to happen. And it doesn't just happen always in the first conversation. One, it's, it's about being vulnerable as a leader. And I think the challenge is, is that we often are in front of a team. Sometimes when we're new, we feel we have to demonstrate that we've got this all figured out. And people become honest with you when they feel that they can trust you with what they're sharing. So how do you create that trust? And one of the ways is you have to be very open. First of all, you have to be genuine. That, so that the intention internally has to be because you're genuinely seeking understanding so that you can be a better leader or create a better environment for them. And the way you build that is by demonstrating that when you hear what they're saying or you take in that data, that you can accept it. You're not going to be reactive, like, well, wait a minute, and defensive. So often if we get less than favorable feedback, we tend to immediately jump into defensive mode. So the first part is you have to be confident in who you are as a leader. And we'll go back to that. So that when you're asking this information, you truly have a desire to take it and do something positively with it. And the reason I say that is because if your heart is from that approach, then your communication, whether it's over the phone, which ideally it's not, because I think eye contact and body language is key in these environments, but based on our virtual and diverse you know, geographical spread, sometimes it's not. So it's got to be through the voice. But you preface it with my desire. You preface it with why you're asking the question. It is critical that you and I work well together. And my role as your leader is to, and as your formal leader, is to make your job easy. I want to remove barriers and I want to be able to work with you so that collectively we can achieve. The only way for me to do that is to understand how I can best lead you. And I will only know that if you tell me. I can't read your mind. And so I recognize that I might not always say and show up the way you need. And as painful or as as uncomfortable as it might be for me to hear that, I'm committed to being with you as part of this team because we only win when we're all winning together. So as a result of that, I have to ask you an uncomfortable question, which could be uncomfortable for me, but it's only through this that we can collectively work well together. So I'm hoping that you'll be honest with me because it will only be better for all of us. So it's sort of how you position it. And these are my words that I'm sharing, but it's, it's being thoughtful about those words as you come into the conversation and what your intention is and sharing that. And then when you hear the information, one of the best things you can do is possibly either just be quiet and take it in or ask for clarification and say, what I'm hearing you say is, you wish that when I send these email communications that you would prefer that I pick up the phone and call you so that there's no 
distortion in the text or the email that you work better with me talking to you. Okay. Or a different person, you would prefer that I stop calling you and writing a lot in the email and just say, give me a call. I'd like to schedule time just to get some clarification. You know, so you're just sort of trying to lay it out and and articulate what you're hearing for feedback and then taking it to heart and trying to implement it. It sounds so practical and so compelling. Like when you were describing why you want feedback and how it's going to help, I was like, yes, I want to give you feedback. It suddenly shifts the conversation from being, let me sit down and ask you a question in which neither of you really want to have this conversation to, this is actually about you. This isn't about me. Like I'm going to change my behaviors, but it's really in service of you. And that is such a beautiful thing that not enough managers do. So I think, you know, if you really want to break it down, there's two things. It's one is being able to share with the individual the, the reason for this, creating this communication and what's in it for them. You know, I'm seeking this. I will make myself vulnerable because I value your development, your fulfillment in this role. Like I want you to be happy in your work. You're critical to our team. You're critical to me individually. You're sharing with them why, you know, and some let's, let's take the manager that's never done this. Okay. And a lot, it's so funny because some of my clients will come to me in a coaching session and be, they'll be talking about challenges they've had. And it's often with people because people is our business. And my first question is, what do you think they might be thinking? And then the next thing is, so what have you done to really get face to face and ask them this? And it's the typical default. Nobody wants to do it. Mm-hmm. So, so you go to the, let's say your style has never been to be this way. And it seems a little bit too up close and personal. You know, this is too off the grid. So, so let's go back to, maybe it doesn't have to be this, oh, I use the word fluffy sometimes, but maybe it doesn't have to be this, you know, let's all group hug. Maybe it's look, I'm look, let's be practical. And I'm a very results driven individual myself, and I was always results-driven as a, as a formal manager. Look, here's the bottom line. I'm looking at our team, and I'm looking at directionally our goals, and I feel that there's just some misses. We're not hitting our numbers. I don't feel our communication as a team is great, and I recognize that maybe I, as your leader, am not giving you the resources or the space to show up and be your best. So I need to have a conversation with you because I feel that I need to be doing better in my role. And for me to be doing better in my role to help all of us achieve these numbers, achieve this goal, achieve this project and and meet these deadlines at a much better pace, I need feedback from you. As uncomfortable as it is for me, I need you to tell me. I I need direct feedback from you. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not fine. I'm fine this because if I'm better, we're going to do better. I like to think that everybody's going to be happier. And we all spend a lot of time at work. So let's get to the nuts and bolts about this. Because I feel as a leader, I have areas to develop in. So you're doing this before a formal 360, depending on what type of company you're in. You're basically doing your own 360. This is such a great kind of alternate version, right? So like you just laid out two different approaches that can work for two different styles of people or two different preferences or different situations and relationships that they have with their team members. And I could even imagine that the same person might sit down with one of their team members and give that kind of softer approach and then sit down with another team member and use that straightforward approach because they're thinking about 
what's the other person going to respond best to? Yes, absolutely. And I, I think the other element that is often forgotten as we perceive now I'm sitting in the seat of evaluating our bosses, right? And we think they're up and through our stuff. And I have a client right now that's in this space and highly successful. And so she is a manager of a team. And then also she is one of six managers that are part of, so the, the next tier up. And her direct supervisor is always up and through her stuff lately. And she's really struggling with this. And so after a lot of the coaching call, you know, I, I paused and everything that was coming through was how, what this particular manager was doing and showing how he was showing up for her. And what's funny is the, then they finally had this conversation. And this is something critical because sometimes the manager might not come to you from a position of vulnerability. And this goes back to my initial discussion about what, what a leader is. So she took it in her own hands to talk up. Now this is up to her manager. And she said, we need to talk about this because I'm not, I'm struggling with being motivated. And some of the things stylistically that you're doing are not working for how I lead and how I like to manage my team. So she surfaced it to him. What came out of that conversation was the pressure, the amount of pressure that he was under from his boss. So his random and massive up and through his managers for getting the reports, getting the results, this and this, had nothing to do with how he viewed them, even though they were internalizing it as he doesn't believe in me, he doesn't think I'm competent, right? So it trickles down. Was really surfaced on his own challenges and feeling insecure in his own job. So I think there's so many angles of the value in open communication that just allows us to, to really look at not just where we sit, but where we are as a leader. So let's fast forward. The same leader could say to their team, look, I'm challenged right now. I have a lot of pressure on me. I just got a new regional director. And there's some differences in how we're supposed to be communicating. So it's causing me to reach out a little bit more to you. And I realize that might be creating this unnecessary stress. So essentially what you're doing is you're being vulnerable. You're sharing openly. I've got some changes in my role myself. And I realize that it's probably coming across to you in a wrong way. And I'm apologizing. So help me work through this because I'm struggling too. Everyone doesn't want to admit that, but the power of it is huge because a lot of people, high-performing people are, are compassionate, right? There's when you lead people, you don't get there because you're discompassionate. So sometimes you're compassionate about your team members, but you can also be compassionate about your immediate supervisor. So it's okay to be vulnerable and say, look, you know what's flying right now. And I'm, I'm not leading as well as I'd like to. So let's have a conversation so that I can take some time and not unravel all that we're working towards. So we have to switch gears because we're running out of time. So can you tell us about one of the rock star managers that you had the privilege of working with and for and what made that person so great? Yes, I have to say unequivocally, I've worked for many rock star managers. But when I think about, you know, what's contributed to my career development, and my career growth over the years. I just go back to one of my first managers, and it was when I worked at Johnson & Johnson. And I was a sales representative, and he was my divisional manager. I want to say I worked for him for just under three or four years. And the one thing that he did 
unequivocally that taught me as a leader a critical element that I then adopted. He invested in my development. He allowed me, he, he connected with what my career goals were. He reviewed very openly my strengths and my weaknesses. It was part of our dialogue every time we worked together, which was monthly. And he worked with me to create a very strategic development plan so that I could continue to hone my skills, become a stronger individual contributor, and to become a stronger leader. And that was the core of our relationship. And so he was open when I wasn't, when I screwed up. He let me fumble. He would put me in charge of, of small tasks and worked me through sort of this, you know, small tasks, small risk to larger tasks, larger risks, even knowing that I might not do it perfectly. And he gave me that space to do it and he invested in me. And as a result of him investing in me and having very bold, and candid conversations, both when things were going well and when they weren't. I was incredibly loyal to him. I was dedicated to performing well for him and the team, even though I knew he was essentially preparing me to leave his team. And there was something about his belief in me and his commitment to what was important to me, which was growing and taking on roles of more and more uh, greater responsibility that just I was infinitely loyal to him. I would work with and for him anywhere. And there was a mutual respect as a result of that. So it was his investment in my development and active engagement in helping me create a development plan and always working on two development objectives every three to six months to help me grow, grow as an up and coming leader. Amazing. And where can people learn more about you, Sue, and your work? They can find me on my website, which is focalpointinc.com, and that's point with an E. So focal, F-O-C-A-L, point, P-O-I-N-T-E, inc, I-N-C, dot com. And on the website, I have resources with a, a lot of downloadable content to help people go through some of these exercises I spoke of with the core values and also some resources to help guide conversations, some of these difficult conversations. And my book, the, the link to my book is there as well, and a, a complimentary downloadable reflection journal that can help people through their journey. Fantastic. And we will put all those links in the show notes so people have access to them there. Awesome. Thank you so much for this conversation. Thanks, Mamie. Thanks for giving me the time to, to hang out with you and all of your listeners. Sue has generously offered a free audible version of her book, Leadership by Choice plus some additional resources for members of the Modern Manager community. To join, go to themodernmanager.co slash join. And don't forget, if you join before July 3rd, 2020, you also have the chance to win a copy of the book Be Kind by prior guest Jacqueline Lindsay. All those links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. And you can get that at themodernmanager.co. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. 
you're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.